Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I am one of your hosts, Precious D. And I am one of your hosts, Honey B. We are two best friends making our way through the history of kaiju movies. I am a grumpy old man, and Honey B <laughs> is a young hottie. Stop. That is not true. Well, relatively young. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm an By old comparison. Hottie, okay. By comparison. <laughs> uh, <laughs> honeybee is 30. She's a grown ass woman now. <laughs> but I am 55, so. <laughs> irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. Folks, if you are regular listeners to this show, you might be expecting to hear Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla discussed today, but that's going to come next week because we finally, finally got to see Space Monster Wong Magui. We did it. We finally got it. All right. So for those of you who are joining us late or who have not been paying attention, Space Welcome. Monster Wong Mangui is a 1967 South Korean kaiju film that was falsely believed to be lost for a long time. It just was never released outside of South Korea. For whatever reason, they just didn't want to give anybody the rights, but it was in the Korean film archives and would occasionally get shown at a festival or on television. And recently, SRS Cinema, a film distribution company, managed to get the rights to distribute it here in America and elsewhere. The international premiere of the film took place at the Fantasia International Film Festival in Montreal on July 23rd, 2022. And then the Blu-ray release was this month, January 2023. We have our copies. We got an extra copy to give away to one of our listeners. It also comes with a little mini poster. So we will be doing some kind of uh, Twitter or Instagram or some kind of a, you know, one of those like, share, whatever type of giveaways. And I might just combine it with the one we've been trying to do. <laughs> so <laughs> you might get this and a bunch of other shit. We'll, we'll see. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. I'm going to try to set that up this week. But right now you can only watch it on Blu-ray. Eventually, it will be released on DVD and on streaming. Most of SRS's stuff ends up on like Tubi and Pluto and that kind of stuff. Nice. So I'm sure after a while, after he's sold Blu-rays and DVDs for a little while, 
it'll end up on the streaming services. But we're going to spoil the shit out of it right now. So if you don't want it spoiled, skip this episode until you get a chance to see it. Uh, (laughs) So there you go. That's me telling you not to listen to our show. If you are interested, I or if you missed it, I had an interview with Ron Bonk, the head of SRS Cinema, back in episode 57, which was our All Monsters Attack episode. So if you missed that and want to hear that interview, you can go back and listen to it now. It's a really great interview, too. It's awesome. It's one, it's one of my favorite interviews. Well, thank you. Normally, we go through things chronologically, but we've had to backtrack because this movie was not available. So it's from 1967. Just to refresh your memory, kaiju movies that came out that year were King Kong Escapes, Gamera vs. Geos, Gappa, the Trifibian Monster, Son of Godzilla, and Yangari, Monster of the Deep. So that's the period we were in. That's the other stuff that was coming out at the time. This is only the second Korean kaiju movie. The first one is is truly lost and I think is just a short film. It has something to do with like a giant Buddha or a Buddha statue or something coming to life. Nobody knows for sure because it's missing. Honeybee, what were your initial impressions of the film? Well, we got it on Blu-ray. So it came jam-packed with some really interesting uh trailers and i almost thought you had pranked me (laughs) (laughs) because because the trailers are like crazy the trailers for all the other srs cinema movies yes like like puppet shark Uh uh-huh and doll shark you're gonna need a bigger house and uh amityville karen yes srs releases a lot of (laughs) they they distribute a lot of kaiju movies but they also distribute a lot of really low budget crazy ass shit yeah it was um insane i really like for a second like i was like is this because there was so many of them I was right. like, is this a prank? Is is this a joke? Like, is he pranking me? Um, And then because of all of the trailers from the movie, I was like, man, what is this movie going to be like? I was a little concerned, but it it was way better than I expected Um, going from the trailers. And it definitely has that like Korean drama flair where... Uh-huh. Everything is just like so dramatic. Um, <laughs> just wow. What I mean, I did enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoyed it as far as like it was very entertaining. I can't wait to hear what you thought about it though. What did you think about it? Um, it. <sighs> I mean, there's parts of it that are awesome and there's parts of it that are just like, well, what the fuck is this? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I do want to say the Blu-ray also comes because you can just hit the top menu button and skip those trailers. Well, um, I did not know how to do that, I guess, because I I tried to skip them and it would not let me. Yeah, for a while I was just like hitting the next one and the next one and then they wouldn't stop coming. So eventually I'm like, where's the, I, where's the top menu option? Well, you got to go back and watch them <laughs> because they're incredible. Some of them I had seen before. But it also does come with some special features like a commentary track, which I haven't listened to yet because I didn't want I, I do want to watch it again with a commentary track, but I didn't want Same. to just repeat a bunch of trivia that they told me. And okay. there's some other stuff, some other special features about how he got the a lot of them are text based special features. You have to read them <laughs> where Ron tells the story of how he acquired the film and various fans talking about the movie and things like that. So yeah, there's a, a bunch of, you know, there's, there's stuff on the disc. Definitely, definitely worth it. Yeah. It's so worth it. It's definitely worth it. Especially if you're like a fan of this sort of thing, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, you just love it. You see the things that you love and you love it. And that's yeah. just the way it goes. There's so many things in this that you're like, it was like, ah, you know, like, it's good to be here. I, I, I just really have come to like, love these films, even in their horribleness. That makes it even more fun for me. I do remember in the beginning, I was just like, what the fuck is this on some of them? But now it's just like, I, even the stuff that's bad. I love it. I'm just like, ah, here we go. You know, here's the bad shit. But yeah, it's good. I really loved um, the monster noises in this movie. I'm not going to lie. Uh-huh. I kind of thought... I, I'd say this is like number two in monster sounds for me. Like when he's human-sized, his little <laughs> like noises. Uh-huh. And then when he's bigger, like I think they really nailed the the monster noise in this, which I really had low expectations for after seeing the monster. Uh-huh. I think it's the ears for me. That just make him look like kind of derpy. Right. The design of the monster himself is kind of maybe possibly my least favorite part of the film. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be maybe charitable and say that he looks like he's made out of mud. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because, That's nice of you. Well, because. <laughs> yeah, right. Because. No, we all know why. You, we know why. <laughs> Because he really looks like he's made out of poop. But I'm going to say he looks like he's made out of mud or possibly chocolate. Uh, it's in black and white, by the way, I should say. Uh, I don't know what the kill count was. But, and the monsters uh, seems to be about standard 50, 60 meters. There apparently are 160,000 extras in this movie. What? Which is not quite a world record some people thought it was a world record the world record is held by a german nazi film from 1945 that had 187,000 this only had 167,000 but that's still quite a lot of extras the thing is early in the film i'm like are there just like 10 to 20 people in this movie but then the crowds get bigger as it goes. Cause at one point, you know, there's panic in the streets, but I'm like, there's like 10 people evacuating what's going on. But, Oh my gosh. The, the, chaos, later, the panic in the streets really made me laugh. This is a movie in which we see public 
defecation. <laughs> a boy appears to urinate inside of a kaiju's head. Yeah. And a, a public birth. And in fact, at one point, there's a, like a compare and contrast of the birth and the public pooping. <laughs> They're happening nearby each. Uh, I... Uh, this movie's yeah, insane, honeybee. It is it's insane. there's so much crazy shit going on in this movie. Like, it's really ins you know what one thing though I have to say that this kind of reminded me of one of the insane things. It kind of made me think of little Amanda in the bunny one, you know, in the uh -huh. lepus. Because lepus, yeah. no one no one ever knows that Amanda like fucks shit up. But uh -huh. in this one, no one ever knows that Ponchito is just fucking shit up. Like, yeah, for the good. He's like doing good, but no one ever finds out like that. He... Well, they potentially could, though, after, after the film off screen. But yeah, yeah while I it's happening, they... not while it's happening, nobody knows. Yeah, it's so weird. I just thought that was like, it was just so strange. Like, yeah. there's so many weird, strange storylines going on in this movie. Like the wedding thing bullshit yes the, the little this, romance uh, like that's so, so weird it's so gross <laughs> i wrote i wrote uh sexist af <laughs> yeah this movie is high on the sexism scale um because are you there yeah okay um according to this movie a woman's wedding day is the most important thing in the world. Now, a lot of a lot of women think their wedding is the most important day of their life. But it's not more important than a kaiju attack. <laughs> the city, thousands of people are possibly getting killed. The city is being destroyed. They people are evacuating her her fiance has been called into service and all she seems to care about is that her wedding is getting spoiled it's weird though too like how her mom keeps making it about her she's like like she's like oh it's your wedding the mo my the yeah. day i've looked forward to for so long and always like makes it about her right it's super weird every this movie is really weird but then it's also the mother that at one point is like, okay, look, honey, we got to evacuate. This is not happening. <laughs> we need to get out of here. Come to your senses, woman. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also a point where two clowns. Oh, God, no. 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 I hated them. I was like, please, please eat them first. <laughs> At first, I thought they were Korean Abbott and Costello. And then I thought, no, they're more maybe Korean Don Knotts and Tim Conway because they didn't really have any of the clever wordplay of a <laughs> Abbott and Costello. They were just a couple of morons. It's just so awkward. They're making a bet. And the stakes Ew. in the bet are the guy's wife. Although the other guy never puts up anything. He's like, I'll bet you your wife that. Oh, Jesus. Um, they're trying to bet which of them is braver and can stay around longest before running away from the monster. 
which is just a ridiculous thing to bet about. Just go. And the one guy's like, if if you run away first, I get your wife. And the Ugh. second guy just agrees to this, but also never says, well, what do I get if I win? Like, so he he's gets betting... his whole savings. He gets oh, his yes, yes, you're right. Bet. He does eventually. It does, it's just it takes him a long time to get around to asking that question. Yes, if I win, I get your life savings. But he does agree to the bet first without establishing what the other side of the bet is which bears the question what is his wife like but then we meet her and it's we so meet her. awkward she's i mean uh, yeah that's uh okay let's uh, <laughs> i'll say let's okay so we start in tiny toy space yes wait hold on i got a few credits here but not enough credits oh okay okay or on the other hand too many credits okay so uh, we've, we're getting a lot of information off of Wikizilla this time. Uh, Thank you, Wikizilla. Wikipedia doesn't have as extensive an article. I showed the movie is planned sense. planned by Lee Jong Take. I don't know what planned by means. <laughs> uh, directed by Kwon Hyuk Jin, written by Byon Ha Young, and produced by Woo Ki Dong. Music by John Jong Kun, cinematography by Ham Chang Gi, and special cinematography by Lim Seong Duk. I don't know what that means because it's not special effects. Special effects are by Kim Byung Soo and edited by Hyun Dong Chun. And then for the the cast, Nam Kung Wan as Major Oh Jong Wan. Kim Seon Kyung as An Hee, John Sang Cho as Squirrel, which I don't remember him actually being called Squirrel, but that's the street urchin, the Panchito. Did they say his name I, at any point? I never, I never heard his name. That's one of my notes. One yeah, of my he notes doesn't. Is like, what is this kid's name? That's why I just started out calling him Panchito because yeah. no one ever says it. On Wikipedia, he's just listed as street urchin. On Wikizilla, he's listed as squirrel. I called him young Korean Charlie Chan. Uh, not Charlie Chan, sorry. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. Let me take that again. I called him young Korean Charlie Chaplin. Kim Hai Gab Song Hae as gambling men. Oh, okay. Uh, Kim Hai Gab, comma, Song Hey as gambling men. Those are the two the two clowns. And oh, then yeah. on Wikizilla, they just list a whole mess of other actors and actresses, but with no characters after them. So <laughs> you know, and of course sure. there's 167,000 extras. So, you know, one of these people must be the pregnant woman, and one must be the pooping man, and one's the other military guys whose names we never learn. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, Figure the fact out. that nobody'd seen this movie in America hardly until this month might have something to do with the lack of proper credits. So anyway, that's our cast and crew such as it is. Nice. Yeah. I was very curious whether these two clowns were a famous Korean comedy duo, but I can't find out anything about them. It just, hmm. I mean, that could have been, maybe this is the only thing they ever did. Or maybe 
they were like Dom Knotts and Tim Conway and everybody in Korea went, oh my gosh, it's those guys. You know, who knows? But they who were. Who knows? They were terrible. This movie kind of has a little bit of everything, you know, from well, the other movies. It kind of yes. takes a little bit of everything and pieces it all together to make this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, I just want to say, though, I, when I say that they were terrible, I don't mean that they gave bad performances. I mean that no, their characters are highly problematic. Yeah, it's pretty gross. In 1967 in Korea, I'm sure it all seemed hilarious, but it's just yeah, terribly yeah, inappropriate sure they... now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they did a great job, I guess. I mean, I'm the guy who watches old Doris Day movies and goes, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> they just do not, they do not age well. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, let's get into this summary. High in orbit, aliens called the Gamma. Observe the planet Earth in preparation for planetary conquest. And these aliens, we've seen a lot of aliens in these movies. <laughs> this spaceship and their outfits looked like they came out of the 1950s, not the 1960s. Or even I earlier. I liked their little antennae. Not even 1950s, uh, 1930s or 40s. They look like, you know, Buster Crab era Flash Gordon stuff going on here. What was that you say you liked them? I like the antenna, like the little antenna <laughs> on top. Yeah. So they they are all dressed in like silver with big bucket helmets and we can just barely see their eyes and they're uh they're planning to invade Earth. Uh having like searched thousands do. of planets, yep. <laughs> having searched thousands of planets, these aliens have found that Earth has the perfect conditions for a colony save for the existence of the humans on its surface. The gamma <laughs> commander those pesky humans. The Gamma Commander calls for a Wangmagui, a creature with the ability to grow exponentially in size proportionate to increasing air pressure. Uh, uh? Nonsense. Oh, and I believe Ma a Wangmagui means Devil King. Oh, does it? Or, well, so the original, the Korean title is Yuju Goen Wagmagui, which is literally Devil King, the space monster. So I'm assuming that that first part is what means space monster and Wagmagui is Devil King. Since the translated mm. title is space monster Wagmagui. I don't know. Anyway, it's a weird thing for aliens to call their monster, but there you go. You don't know. You don't know aliens. So they, they just drag out this human-sized poop monster and talk about how <laughs> the air pressure and he and he looks he looks more just blobby before they shoot him down there. He doesn't have he doesn't even look like he's got eyes or his fangs yeah. or any of that stuff. And 
once they shoot him down to earth, the air pressure is going to be less. So he's just going to expand. And I'm like, well, is, isn't that going to happen to you? If you go down there later, <laughs> I don't, <sighs> we I saw this nonsense in that. one of the, yeah, I, one of the other, I think it was the, uh, a camera movie where, yeah, the different air pressure caused the monster to just get bigger. To grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, they launch it to the surface through a, um, what do you call it? Uh, let's see. To be launched to the a surface <laughs> remotely controlled by a radio receiver on his back. Wang Magui will be used as a weapon to eradicate the human resistance so that a colony can be established, by which point the remaining humans will be used to feed the creature. Yeah, but he never eats any anybody. No, and uh, they even ask at one point, is he going to eat us? Yeah. Which is just weird. We're going to create this, this we're going to unleash this, you know, giant monster weapon that we're then going to have to feed later, but don't worry. We'll, you, we'll just use the extra units to feed it. Like, this seems like an issue. What happens when you run out of humans? Uh, they launch Wangamagui through a typhoon presently bearing down on the Western Korean peninsula. So they're kind of hiding their ship. Well, it's weird because they're, they seem to be in orbit, but there is also things they say that indicate they're trying to hide in the typhoon. But yeah, they're they like, they'll, they won't be able to, they won't know that it's us through this, but then they do know instantly. Yes, yes, they're like, something weird's going <laughs> on with like, that typhoon. <laughs> yes, they immediately <laughs> notice, their radar tells them there's something unusual about that typhoon. But they just sort of open up the ship and just shoot this thing down, down, just kind of drop him out of the bottom of the ship. Uh, as the storm bears down on Seoul, Anhe, a young bride-to-be, and her fiancé, Republic of Korea Air Force pilot <sighs> Oh Jong-wan, are spending time together at her home before their wedding day. When oh, is o that Re- what we're calling it? Spending, spending time, time together? I mean, they were just, <laughs> just kind of hanging out. They, on top of each other? Well, yeah, but not, you know. They were cuddling. <laughs> they were having a nice cuddle oh. on their pre- oh, hi- I guess I don't remember what cuddling is like. Wedding Eve. <laughs> there wasn't that, like any nudity or anything. Were they no, smooching? but it was just awkward. Oh, it was just, just like not... weird. You just say their positions. Just, they're they just, were yeah, they're just like laying on top of each other. Like, ew, what? <laughs> just like in the living room. Just. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Just unsolicited, <laughs> like. Laying on top of it, not not in a like I don't know if you when you see the movie, whoever gets the wins the giveaway, it's like awkward on top of each other. It doesn't look. It's just weird. You'll I see. Didn't, you'll see. I don't remember. I didn't notice. Ugh, it was gross. Anyway, O receives an order recalling him to the air force base. Doesn't he just hear it over the radio? Don't yeah. Then they, they just break like in they with do a, a whole thing. Yeah, they're like, like we, all, everybody, everybody. We interrupt needs this to get program to tell once. all the military <laughs> yeah. to get back to base. Mm-hmm. Oops. Yeah. But what about my wedding? <sighs> Dismayed but certain in the happiness of their wedding, the couple part ways for the night as Anhi's mother remarks on how the wedding will go well in spite of the night's weather. 
At the base, O arrives to find the commander and technicians concerned with an anomaly in their radar systems. Oh, yeah. O seems to think at some point that he's like, oh, no, I'm going to talk to the commander and it's okay. He said I don't have to come or whatever, but then he does have to. At some point, he thinks he's going to be excused for his wedding, but then it turns out, nope, there's a giant monster. We kind of need all hands on deck. Yeah, and everyone in this movie, everyone, even Wang Magui, has seen King Kong. Yes, yes, they come right out and mention him, which I think we've said before, do not mention a better movie in your crappy movie. <laughs> I mean, it's not a crappy movie, but it's not... Let's just remind everybody of what we're ripping off here in case they didn't notice. Yes, yeah, somebody yeah, somebody at one point that. says he's like King Kong, which I also yeah, thought was interesting that he... they don't compare him to Godzilla. They compare him to King Kong. So yeah. I think, I think and... we, we mentioned before how like at the time in Japan, King Kong was more popular than Godzilla. And I guess in Korea as well, Godzilla was not quite the dominant force he is now and King Kong it was their go-to. Yeah. What were you going to say? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, King Kong. I have no idea. Oh, <laughs> oh. I was going to say whenever, when he picks her up also. Yes. When he picks up the little, the girl and he looks at her and then he kind of does this like, it's like he's seen the movie. He like picks yeah. her up and he's like, yeah. ooh, lady. And then he kind of like bangs yeah. on his chest like, like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he picks up our our bride and then carries her around forever. And there's times yeah, when I it forgot seems about her like several times. <laughs> yeah, there's times when it seems like, well, how is he still holding her? But then there's other times when I was looking, like, oh no, his hand is cupped. They're, they they mm-hmm. are telling him, remember, you're holding the girl, so you've got to keep one of your hands kind of cupped the whole time while you're wrecking <laughs> the, these buildings. <laughs> But he hardly even does that, really. He really just kind of, he does wreck some buildings, but there's a lot of times where he's just like wandering around. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, do something. The alien's plan for him to basically destroy all of human life is not being executed very well because he does sort of take his time and just Mm -hmm. sort of wander around a little bit instead of doing maximum damage. Ugh. Anyway, they they found an anomaly in the radar system, which coincides with the arrival of the aliens and Wagamagui. Fighter jets sorte, but are unable to spot anything. The next morning, Anhi and her mother are awoken by their neighbor, alerting them that the monster's been spotted near Seoul. They called her auntie, and I thought that she actually was. Sometimes... Auntie is just used as a, you know, a, a, a courtesy. I assume yeah, it's, it's like a respect. Right. I know it's that way in China. I assume it's that way in Korea. But there was something they said that indicated, oh, she actually is her aunt. Um, I think it's the fact that she was just constantly hanging around with the wedding preparations and shit. She seemed like more than just a neighbor. Uh, anyway, she comes... And tells them the monster's coming, urging them to evacuate and expressing condolences over the wedding. Because <laughs> that's what's important. Still determined that the wedding will go through, Anhi and her mother make the necessary arrangements with the officiator and hairdresser. 
only for both to run away in the evacuation as the giant Wamagmangui approaches, tearing through hillsides and buildings as it makes its way into the city. <laughs> Left behind in the desolation, like a couple of dum-dums, the bride and mother are caught in Wamagui's sight, the both of them fainting in horror, more, more sexism, they just freaking pass out. Zhang Wan can only watch from the sky as Wang Mangui picks Anhe up and, amused with itself, carries the unconscious bride off as it tears a trail of havoc through Seoul, with the Air Force unable to stop its advance without being able to use weapons. I guess they're holding back because he's holding this one woman. <laughs> that's wh that's why he picked sure her up. I wasn't sure if they knew. I wasn't right. sure if they knew that he was holding the woman because they yeah. never say anything about it. Yeah, that, it's unclear. Um, but maybe that's the real reason he picked her up. To use her as a shield. Uh, a shield? He's not, yeah. She's a Barbie. No, I not a literal shield, but just, uh, you know, hey, they they know I've he's got like, this woman. Hey, They're not, they won't shoot me if I'm holding this lady. I have the pretty lady. No, he picks her up because he's like King Kongy. Like, he's like, ooh, la right. la, a lady. Well, that's the thing, though. He doesn't go full Kong. But he picks her up. But then he doesn't do, you know, how Kong is fascinated with mm -hmm. with Anne. He's just sort of casually carrying her around, but not really paying any attention to her. He doesn't seem to actually be that interested or care about her. He's just like, well, I'm a giant monster. I guess I got to pick up a lady. <laughs> and I, gotta, I can't really use his hand, but I got to carry this lady around. So it's kind of like he's been, he's kind of like, you know, he's at the mall and been stuck with his girlfriend's purse. He's just got to <laughs> just gotta hold it. He's like, yeah. All right, I can't put it down, <laughs> but I can't do anything else with it. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. That's exactly how he carries her around. <sighs> oh, my God. So as as Wong Mongui rampages through Seoul without he in his grasp, a collection of characters have comedic encounters with the alien monster. Well, I think I'll be the judge of how comedic these encounters are. <laughs> Two men bet one another over who can stick around longest. These are the clowns we were talking about. I don't just mean clowns in that they're dum-dums, but they're they're literally, you know, in a in a theatrical sense. They're they're two clowns. Uh they bet each other who can hang around, stick around the longest before running away, the both of them turning out equally cowardly. <laughs> Dozens of people end up trapped in a skyscraper as the monster rocks its foundations, and Anhi's mother desperately pleads with police for help finding her for help finding her daughter in the middle of a panicked crowd of evacuees as Wang Magui carries her overhead. So these people all they take our advice and they they take shelter in basements. It's uh, not basements exactly, but the, like in the transit system, I think, is where they're all hiding out. And this is where we get this weird scene with this guy. The baby and the shit. The shitting and the yeah. baby. Oh, my God. So this one guy is like, does anybody, is there a newspaper seller? Is there a newspaper seller? And somebody's like, what? Um, I've got a newspaper. Like, yeah, let me have it. And he's like, why? And he grabs it. And then he goes over to a corner that's still in full view of the rest of the crowd. 
lays down the newspaper and pulls down his pants because he's got to take a dump so bad he can't hold it. And I guess there's no public bathrooms in Korean public transit systems. So he takes a squat and starts. But then the thing is, he seems to be straining. And I'm like, well, then you didn't need to go that badly (laughs) if you're having trouble going. But no, I think he's just like supposed to be like so scared. He's like shitting himself, but like everything is so fucking dramatic. Everybody's facial expressions. Everybody has to drag everything the fuck out in this movie, and it's just like he's just like trying to be so dramatic. Well, I mean, they just have it. Yes, they're like, all right, now, now, let us see in your face. Let us know that you're taking a dump (laughs) with your face. (laughs) But it takes him a while because, meanwhile, this woman starts like her water breaks or something she starts having a baby and somebody starts yelling out in the translation says is there an obstetrician gynecologist or a midwife in the house and i'm like she's yelling out the i don't know what it is in you know in Korea. It, it just seemed a weird rather than just saying is there a doctor or a midwife is there a doctor yeah she's saying the specific kind of doctor that they need and and uh, uh, in English, you would tend to just say OBGYN rather than the whole uh-huh. thing. But I, I, for some reason, I just found that particularly hilarious that that's what that's what the woman was yelling out for. And uh, in, uh, in sheer panic. Right. And there is one because we see a guy go. Huh? And he's oh, asleep. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of... He, yeah, he's, he's like, he's like, oh, huh, what? yeah. Oh, somebody called for just me? Just taking a little nap. Yeah, yeah, he was taking just dozing off. Taking a little nap in the chaos. Yep, yeah, and then he, he hears somebody yelling for an OBGYN and says, oh, oh, that's me. I can help. And then is very concerned with, like, having somebody hold up a, a piece of cloth or something to block the view. While just a few yards away, a guy's just taking a shit in front of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, taking a shit and having a baby are two very different things. No, I know, but it's just like he seemed more... I mean, I understand he's trying to be considerate of her privacy and whatever, and also it's a movie and they don't want it and they don't want us to see anything. But he seemed just more concerned with getting the... Impromptu curtain in place than with actually helping her. You know, <laughs> he should have just gone to work and let the bystanders worry about taking care of that. But no, he's like, okay, make sure you hold it up a little further. <laughs> it was, uh... um, there's a lot of time, even although the monster is here and attacking, there's a lot of time spent on stuff that's not the monster attacking. Yeah. And it's so drawn out. So, meanwhile, and here we, here's where we get to the good part. Meanwhile, a homeless boy. Woo! Panchito! Named Squirrel, according to this, but nobody calls him that. And, <laughs> I, yeah, I really did. He really, okay. He hears the news of Wang Magui's attack over the radio while living off the spoils of an abandoned mansion. He is just having... A picnic. I don't know why he's not eating off the table. He has broken into some big ass house and has set up a picnic, gotten like all the food in the house and laid it out on a tablecloth on the floor and is just pigging out. And 
he really did strike me as a Charlie Chaplin, not just because he's like the, you know, Chaplin's little tramp character, but just his movements and just his whole demeanor mm-hmm. was very, Cha- I thought was very Chaplin-esque, except that he, you know, it's not a silent film, so he gets to talk. <laughs> and he's, he's, we can tell from his clothes that he's kind of homeless and he has like a bucket or coffee can or something hanging off yeah. of his belt that he uses. That he just puts a whole chicken in. <laughs> right. So I guess he's, you know, he doesn't have like a proper satchel or a backpack or a bag to carry stuff in. So he hangs a can off of his belt. Yeah. And yeah, when he realizes it's time to maybe get his shit and go, he just starts stuffing food into the can. Uh, uh, then he, it says, uh, taking it upon himself to confront the alien monster with all but his wits and his knife, which he calls his sword. So, yeah, he's listening to the radio report and is very disdainful of these adults that aren't taking care of the problem. So he decides he's like, he's, all adults are cowards. Yep. So he goes out and outside and sees the monster and. <sighs> It's fucking amazing. <laughs> and then we like go back to the freaking. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, squirrel scales up Wang Magui's body. I think he's is he, he ends up on the roof or something and just leaps onto Mang Magui and starts climbing up his body until he makes it inside of its ear. Uh, what were you going to say that we're like, I was going to say it like goes from Ponchito or squirrel to, um, the bride again, yes. like in the hand. And yes. I was like, Oh shit, I forgot about this. And then, <laughs> and then they do the boob zoom. What is yeah, the that, boob zoom? Yes. Right. Yes. I forgot. There is a moment where the monster kind of leers at her. Um, because, I mean, I think that's what they're trying to indicate. Uh, Magui seems to be trying to peek down the front of her wedding dress. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my word. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't get a full view. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of hanging loose a little yeah. at the front. And it zooms in <laughs> to indicate that the monster is trying to look down the front of her dress. Uh, and apparently Wang Magui has Tyrannosaurus Rex arms because when Squirrel climbs up him and is on his shoulder, he can't reach it. Right. Yep. He's like trying to swat at him on, yeah. on his shoulder, but he can't reach his own shoulder. So yeah. it, it, weird. But yeah, he makes it to his ear. This kid is crazy. Yes. Yeah. He climbs into his ear, which um, is filthy <laughs> there's this weird shit hanging off of the inside of his ear you know whatever they've used to build the set that the boy is in it looks like there's odd pieces of like his skin's flaking away or something there's just weird things hanging off of the ear canal anyway he finds the eardrum <laughs> 
and attacks it with his knife and mm-hmm. cuts through it. Uh, it says it goes on, uh, goes on the attack from within with his knife. He cuts the eardrum to shreds before crawling through the sinuses to make it to the other ear and deafening the monster, nearly falling out of Wang Magui's nose before doing so. So, yeah, it takes him a while to sort of get across to the other side. And then he cuts out, cuts in one eardrum, goes across, and then cuts out the other. Uh, next. Crazy. Yes. Next, he finds the radio control device on Wang Mangui's back and unscrews the cap of the antenna receiver, disabling the alien. Wait, wait. Con- no, first he pees. He pees yes. in his brain. That's right. We So I mentioned that earlier, that he <laughs> urinates inside of the monster's head. Yeah, he's... And it's not just... I don't think it's just, oh, I gotta go. I think he's like, I know what to do. No. He literally says, I know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just takes a, 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 takes a whiz while he's inside of the monster's head. Um, I can't remember. Did that seem to have an effect? Because it's definitely when he's cut through his eardrum, we see the monster reacting. He's just like shaking his head and like hitting himself in the head like, ah, but it doesn't really like he keeps on going. Okay, so he exits the ear and then starts kind of just crawling around on his head and notices this radio device in his back. He's like, oh, what is that? So he drops down to that, unscrews something and just starts pulling wires out. And uh, this, yeah, they can't control the monster anymore, uh, leaving it ultimately vulnerable to attack. After he tries to rappel down the monster's back, Wang Mangui seizes him and drops him next to Anhi. Uh, he does so, see her before that though. He does see her when he's like hanging out of the nose and he's like, Hey, hello. <laughs> and then she's madam. like, what? Yeah. He keeps yelling out, madam, madam, lady. And she looks at her. She's like, what? Who are you? What's going on? Uh, she expresses concern after learning squirrel had put his life at risk, but he in turn expresses a resentment for adults not doing as they should and panicking. This boy, even though he is homeless and clearly hungry, because he is pigging out <laughs> in that mansion, and so presumably he hasn't eaten in a while, has the most positive attitude. All the time that he is fighting this monster, he and nearly getting knocked out of his nose and falling to his death and stuff, he is just smiling and laughing. And he's now sitting in the hand with this woman and he's just. Um, he's, this is what having nothing to lose looks like. Yes. Yes. But uh, 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 but yeah, he's just like, oh, damn it. You know, I, no problem. I'll take care of this. Don't worry. And uh, yes, yeah, there. nevertheless, he offers on he his optimistic disposition and an apple. <sighs> Left to its own devices, the monster heads into the countryside and the military finally makes its move. However, it withstands both high tension wires and an artillery barrage. Airman Yo now gives the go ahead, now given the go ahead to attack. Uh, but before that, there's a weird scene with him reporting to his superior and 
the way the uh, I think they don't want to attack, but the guys, the commanders, telling them they have to. They haven't had much success so far, and I. It sounds like they all want to give up, and he's like, "No, you got to go out there and sacrifice your lives because it's what we got to do." And, <laughs> and he's like, "But my fiance and uh, yeah." It was just the kind but of. But I was supposed to get married today. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, "I don't want to hear about it." Can I go Keep find your my personal fian- problems off the field? Exactly. Which I mean, the guy's right, but there was yeah. just something weird about the whole tone of the scene. I found. Uh, so yeah, the then he, <laughs> uh, and if though, I think there is some point where the guy tell, oh yeah, the guy's telling him, uh, he doesn't want to, I think at this point, oh, knows that the monster has his fiance. And so he, that's why he doesn't want to attack. And the guy's like, you got to put your personal shit aside. We got to do what we got to do. You need to go kill that monster. I don't care if it does kill your fiance. He doesn't come out and say that, but that seems to be what the discussion is about. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then he like goes off to, you know, okay, I got to go do my duty now, even though it's going to kill my, you got to go kill my fiance. Yep. God damn it. This but, job. Yep. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, he makes a daring run at the monster only for it to hit his jet. So we get a plane smack. Uh, with the flaming mist mm. from its forehead. Oh, yeah, we forgot about that. So at, at one point, it turns out he has Flaming a, or, mist, is that what it, it is? It turns out he like, has what a... what is happening? Yeah, it turns out the monster does have a ranged attack. He sprays some sort of... I wouldn't call it a flaming mist, but a corrosive... It's like an acid. He sprays... At one point, he sprays yeah. an acid out of his forehead, and it's kind of melting buildings. I've... At first, I was like, "Is that steam?" <laughs> it looked, yeah, that's what it looked like was was steam, but when it hits the buildings, it kind of makes them melt. So it's some sort of mm-hmm. acid, corrosive something. Uh, right. Anyway, as he ejects from the cockpit, you know, with a parachute, the bride and the boy jump from the monster's hand and catch onto O's parachute, landing on a lake shore. Surprise! Which, which is just ridiculously badass. So even this lame-ass bride woman does manage to jump out of a kaiju's hand and grab onto a passing parachute. So that's that's actually pretty that's impressive. Pretty <laughs> she wouldn't have been able to do it without Ponchi. No, and no, not at all. It's she... pretty gross. So she's like, I knew you were going to save me. Yeah. Like, no, you didn't, bitch. You lioness. You thought he was dead. Yeah. Uh, the jet crashes into Wangmangui, setting it on fire. The gamma aliens, frightened by the possibility Ooh. that the humans could overcome Wangmangui, Wangmangui, whatever, call off the invasion and retreat to their home world. Well, plan A. I thought they, I thought they, <laughs> I thought they caught him on fire. They were like, destroy the monster. Uh, it, yeah, it does. I think, well, the, the jet does crash into him, but I think they also activate a self-destruct. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're kind of like, well, plan A didn't work. We have no plan B. <laughs> Let's just leave. We'll see you guys later. <laughs> yeah, pack them up, boys. Uh, you know, some aliens have up to nine plans. 
from outer space. Wow. Across the lake, the monster topples over from its injuries and explodes in a fireball, having self-destructed at the command of its gamma creators. So there you go. Overjoyed to be... Overjoyed to be rescued by her love on their wedding day. On their schedule. <laughs> uh, that's not correct. It's on their scheduled Does it wedding say day. That? It's what it says. Does it say on their wedding day? On that's their wedding hilarious. day. But it's not. It's the day their wedding was scheduled. But there's absolutely no way that they're having their wedding today. There's not time. There's the day's gone. You know. You've gotta, you know they're having that wedding today. <laughs> you've got to reschedule. He's got to go back to base and that. get debriefed. She's still in her wedding dress. I know, it's but perfect. they're in, they're like by the lake now, miles from anything. They got to fucking walk back to wherever first. By the time they get there, it's good. There's just no way they're getting married. And they adopt Squirrel. Yes, yes, I was getting it. Uh, uh, he embraces O while Squirrel pouts over his ed- his inevitable return to homelessness. <laughs> I just saved the fucking world, but only for Anhi to adopt him into the family as her little brother. Now together, the three walk along the lakeshore back to Seoul. She's got to walk all the way back in her freaking wedding dress shoes. Those those can't be. Those are not walking shoes. Monster die, nobody cry. No. <laughs> so uh wow so that is guys you gotta i mean we've already spoiled the whole thing for you but uh if you didn't listen to the show then you're not hearing me now but as soon as you're able (laughs) as soon as you're able to you gotta watch this movie you gotta watch it it's not no watch it is it the best one no but there's some amazing shit happening just you know, there's so much fuckery in this movie, like, <laughs> so much. I mean, there's things about it that I hate. Just the the terrible Same. sexism is just awful. But Ponchito more than compensates. Yeah, I mean this this Ponchito is like one of the most kick-ass ones we've ever had. He's just so cool. You know what we didn't talk about though the awkward scene where they the two dopes uh, do end up trying to trade the wife. And then she's like, okay, my new husband save yes. me. Yes. Yeah. They, Oh Ew. God. Yeah. So those guys really go through the ringer. Like they hide from the monster and one of them in a manhole and another, the other one in a trash can. And <laughs> at some point it's weird. They say some things that indicate they are, best friends and have known each other for a long time. But then there's other things he say, they say like on betting about the wife. He's like, wait a minute, what's your wife like? You know, before I've made this bet for your wife, but apparently he's never actually met her to know what she looks like or what type of person she is to know whether he actually wants her. (laughs) So I'm like, well, are you good friends or not? Cause <laughs> you've never met his wife. And yeah, at some point they end up back at the married guy's house and the other guy comes in and he's like, Oh, you're my wife. Now I won you in a bet. And the, the building's shaking cause the monster's nearby and things are collapsing and, and they're both wounded and 
yeah, they're doing this whole weird thing with new husband protect me and then he gets taken out she's like oh no old husband i'm your wife again you protect me and then at Uh, one point they're just all three clinging to each other as and falling all over each other as the building's collapsing all of which i'm sure was intended to be hilarious but it is just uncomfortable so uncomfortable so she's kind of terror she's terrible in her own way in that she's just like uh oh this guy's my husband now okay oh no he's not useful to me i'll go to my other husband <laughs> well and and to be fair when sexism is at the level that it is and yeah. you're a woman that can only be property. That's you're going right. to want to be the property that can take care of you. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, if you find out that your husband put you up as a bet, <laughs> you're maybe not going to, I don't, I don't know that Fuck you necessarily, that <laughs> I don't know that you necessarily want to go with the guy that won you, but you don't want to stay with the guy that bet you either. So, yeah it's not yeah it's not a great situation to be in so yeah yes it's true you can't blame her for uh uh going with who she thinks is most likely to keep her from getting stepped on by a monster (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah you're right if i have to be property i may as well go with the owner that's going to treat me better there you go. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. So, what do you think? What are we going to rate it? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's hard. Um it is. That's what she said. The thing is I think normally I'd be inclined to just give it like a 3, but there is a certain element of, you know, this movie's got near legendary status. And we've, I personally haven't known about it that long, really, but people who are even more into kaiju films than we are have known about it for a long time and have been the, you know, there's, there's just this, this anticipation of finally getting to see this film. So it's the experience of watching it was much, you know, more than the film itself. Yeah. If, if I'm making sense. Totally. And then just the not really knowing much about it at all going into it and having no idea that this, that someone was going to crawl inside of the monster. And take a pee. Although, I, you know, there is a precedent in that we did have a couple of Ponchitos drive a submarine inside of camera at one point. Oh, that is true, but they, but that's different but because they weren't the attacking camera him. is like the good guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. they weren't. They weren't doing that to destroy him. They were trying to help him, uh, and they were able to just casually. They didn't have to climb up him. <laughs> they were able to just sort of casually drive into him, so it wasn't quite as nearly as badass. You know, I'm gonna give it a four. Oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. Because the parts I liked, I really liked, and. Yeah. Just being able to get to see it uh, mm-hmm. was, was just a great experience. Totally. Uh, I I wish we could have seen it together, but, you know. 
Me too. What are you going to do? So, yeah, I'm giving it a four. What are you going to give it? I think I'm going to give it a four also. Yeah, because I I would I, I would give this movie a three had we done it like in order and like known about it and blah blah blah. Yeah. But like you said, kind of just the hype and waiting for it. We waited so long for it to like come in the mail and all of those things. So yeah. I think yeah, definitely definitely a four for me as well. Okay, all right, there you go, folks. Uh, oh, there you I, have it. I meant to announce this at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Our Patreon is finally live. Yay! Patreon.com slash MMFTG. Right now there's you just... You know what it is. <laughs> right now there's just one membership tier. It's $3 a month for uh, early access when I can do it. I Sometimes I'm editing these episodes like just hours before it's supposed to go up but i'm going to try to get ahead so that we can post them early for patrons of course they won't have ads for patrons but the biggest thing is that there will be bonus episodes that are exclusive for patrons uh, at least temporarily what if we get us if we get uh, enough patrons we will eventually release those bonus episodes to the general public, but it'll be like, you know, months after the patrons have gotten them. Okay. I've just, I've seen this with other, with other Patreons for other kinds of people that, that if they get a certain amount of patrons, they start releasing material to the general public. Nice. Uh, anyway, it, at some point you slackers who aren't, <laughs> Being patrons might get to hear these bonus Don't episodes. Don't be rude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, there's gonna be <laughs> there's gonna be Patreon exclusive episodes. Of our first series, which some of you did you did get to hear the first one for reasons. Our first series of exclusive episodes are science fiction double feature. We're going through the lyrics of the song "Science Fiction Double Feature" from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and we are looking at all the movies that are referenced in that song. So, The Day the Earth Stood Still was released early to everybody, but it's up on the Patreon also. And then as soon as we get some actual patrons, the Flash Gordon episode will come out. Right now, we're going to release one a month, but if we get more patrons, we'll start releasing more episodes more often. So there's just the one $3 tier right now. At some point later in the future, I'll add some more tiers where you can get some swag and stuff. But uh, there's some stuff, things I need to do before that's uh, able to go. And uh, the more patrons we get, the more bonus material we will create. And if you have any suggestions for the kind of thing, bonus stuff you'd like to hear, let us know. Send us an email. Send us a voicemail. You know, you know where all the links and all the stuff are by this point. <laughs> Anything else you want to say, honeybee, before we go? No, nope, that's all. Okay. 
All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, until next time, I have been Precious D. And I've been Honey Bee. Remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. And please, don't misuse science. We won't see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato folk rock punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg. Don't, don't, don't.